Welcome to the Film Sessions podcast today. We are excited to feature Mike, Sean, and Michael. Would you gentlemen like to introduce yourselves to us real quick? Okay, I suppose I better start off. My name is Sean O'Dedig. I'm the writer-director of uh, Indelible. Um, I'm primarily a writer, but uh, I also direct, and uh, Indelible has been my most successful film to date, and we're hoping to kick on now, uh, follow on the success and move into the feature film space, you know, so, and uh, the two gentlemen here with me are a core elements of the drive-on team, really, you know, so, wait to you, Mike Ringwood, I suppose. Uh, thanks, Sean. Yeah. Um, so Mike Ringwood, look at my background is uh, music, uh, music composition. I was in a band when I was in a teenager. I was very lucky to grow up in that era, sort of of the late 70s, early 80s, where, you know, a lot of musical revolution came along, you know, um, electronic, original new wave, you know, punk, post-punk. So, um my focus is electronic, and over the years I've been in bands. We were world famous in Wexford, of course. And, um, you know, more recently, you know, what I've learned over the years is kind of an appreciation for sound engineering and sound design. So Sean offered me an opportunity to get involved with sound design for Indelible. Yeah, um, I was lucky enough to be asked by Sean to be the director of photography on this film. And it was my first time working with Sean, but the the story of Indelible and, and the nuances really, I guess, that, that Sean had identified as part of the structure of the film is what really drew me to it. Uh, I, I come from a, a musical background, funny enough, much like Mike does, but film then and, and, and camera work was something I came to at a later point in time. Um, always having had an interest in the, the production of film, um, bought myself some cameras, started shooting music videos, music videos became short, um, films, then there was a little bit of success with that. Certainly, the the success that Indelible has been has been significant, and one or two other things uh, that have struck a chord. I've, I've recently shot a documentary as well that, for whatever reason, it was to do with the War of Independence in Ireland, but for whatever reason, has resonated with people around the world and has had huge success, um, which I can't believe. But you know, um, I think when you when you commit to something, you know, honestly and 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 wholeheartedly that resonates with people. I think the sincerity of the work that you do is 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 always there to be seen. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely true. So it's not a question. I'm just trying to make a note of so you both uh, both wow funny enough it's Michael and Mike. So both mics have a history in music. And then but then when I, because I see you're both actually, you say that, but then, like, even in Sean's background, I see like the little, I forget what they're called, the uh, piano, oh, such key keyboard, yeah, yeah, keyboard. Wow, how did I forget that? I'm literally using one on my laptop, but yeah, <laughs> so like, I guess sort of that's sort of a passion you all share between the three of you is just that love for music, and I'm, a, I'm sure it'll somehow infiltrate its way into indelible. So I won't ask too much, but if you could introduce the film real quick, no spoilers, please. I do want to see it, but like. Give us a rundown and then, I guess, a brief synopsis, if you may. Yeah, sure. Um, Indelible really is uh, a day in the life of a young man. And uh, I, it's, it's a young man with a big problem. And as the film unfolds, we, we start to get inside his head. And we start to realize that he's struggling 
with possibly mental health issues, probably addiction issues, uh, certainly not comfortable in his own skin. And uh, we follow him from a very dreamlike kind of opening scenario, which actually has all the elements of the film as actually in the opening sequence. And uh, Mike did a great job uh, in capturing in capturing that sense of panic and sense of rush. And of course, it was all accentuated with the music as well. Uh, the soundscape and the music, and unfortunately, um, my composer, uh, Samuel Morgan, wasn't able to be, be on tonight, but um, his input was, um, was, was brilliant as well. But um, the sound design and the picture really, without any dialogue, there's actually very little dialogue from a writing point of view. There was very little dialogue in the film. Uh, picture and sound carried it most of the way. Uh, right to the point where we start to realize that we start to see that what's wrong, this guy just cannot, is not comfortable within himself and he reaches out to a drug dealer that uh, he obviously has a history with. And uh, that's, the, that's the pivotal point in the movie really is where he makes this drug deal and he loses a lot of his self-respect and dignity in the process and and uh, you know the subsequent scene is played out in where he overdoses, and it's. Uh, I always wanted to create the illusion: was was he dead or was he alive? You know, and it's that kind of almost a dreamscape at the end, where we we play out over the lines of a poem that uh, that I was gifted really by a very uh, inc incredible young Irish poet. Um, uh, Stephen Murphy, and um, and it plays it plays out over that really, you know. Was it for this, which is which is, encapsulate that, you know, our life is more than this. Like you know that we can't just literally throw it away with what she was doing. And the, the idea then is the hand coming in at the end, which is the the, mm -hmm. the, the team really was love. Love love is mm -hmm. the answer, regardless of what the problem is. Love is the answer. And and I think that is the theme of indelible, like you know that um, love is indelible, you know, and nobody is beyond it. That's that's really what the film is about. It's about the power of love, the power of redemption, and that no human being is beyond that, you know, and that we all we all deserve love, you know. So that's really what you know in, in the film is all about, you know. So it's a film that's carried by cinematography. And I'm assuming nonverbal communication over actual dialogue. Yeah, so, very much so. Yeah. So when it comes to writing that kind of script, do you have to tell? Oh, I guess he is here, Michael. Uh, do you have to tell him to shoot in a completely different manner than expected? Because like now, no, the focus isn't no longer that you capture the generic shoulder frames you can see them talking. Now you're more worried about. You kind of have to show everyone what that person is seeing and how they're reacting to it without the luxury of having it being told to your face. Like, how does that script work? Like, what is it? What choices do you have to actually make while making a script like that? Well, I I, I, I let Michael Benson answer that. But a, a big part of our work ethic is that we communicated a lot together beforehand. So Michael was very familiar with the script and with 
how I wanted it to be. We had we had done a lot of pre-production and a lot of talky, a lot of coffee, a lot of, and a lot of and, and 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 then I have to trust Michael as well. There's a huge trust issue here that he will capture uh, what I have in my head, which is not not an easy thing to do. But we have a great we have a great relationship together, which I think it's it's probably on any film set is the most important relationship is between the DOP and the director, you know? And uh, I'm very fortunate to have Michael, you know, with me on this journey, you know? So I, I'll, I'll hand it over to Michael to take take it away from there. Yeah, for me, for me, there's two things really. There's, there's the pleasure and the pressure of the situation, the pleasure of having a director who's very clear on his vision. Um, and then we discuss that in terms of how he sees the shot um, conceptually. And then of course, there's the discussion about, well, here's how practically, um, mechanically, um, we can we can realize that. So it was very, as Sean has already said, it was very uh, collaborative, um, constant discussion, exploration, uh, experimentation as well. But for me, what I liked was Sean had a very clear grasp on the nuance of this person's personality. And given that it was to be with sound and, and vision beyond the words that that really aren't there, but how do we present his his disposition? And again, without giving away too much, seeing as, as, as we plan to look at this as well, every time you meet this guy and he's journeying somewhere, that journey is, in a, is a downward direction, mm. you know? So that in itself says something about where he's at and, and where his life is going, that it's, it, it's, it's spiraling downwards. Uh, so there's those, those little nuances like that. Color played a part, even for example, you know him being trapped in his own disposition of of, of addiction uh, that we when he's making a call to his his dealer we shoot through the bars of iron gates <clears throat> that in Wexford here were representative of a lockout that took place over 100 years ago um, but those little subtleties all point to who this guy is and how he is and, and where he's at in his disposition so I that that was something that was new for me and I quite enjoyed the challenge of that and the final element that I have to imagine really sells this is the sound design because I've worked on sound design before and I find it insane how much it changed my viewing experience of cinema to where before I didn't care that a fridge would open and I heard it. I'm like, yeah, fridge is open. Like, duh, like it happens. And then after my experience, when I hear like people brushing their teeth, I'm like, what did he do to get that tense? And then this is just like basic stuff, right? And then for your project, I imagine this is a whole mood and ominous tone you're trying to establish. And there's no way you can actually sell it without the sound design. So I have to, I'm curious, like, not for, not the literal choices you made and how to do things, but what was the philosophy behind, like, the sound design that you chose to have for the piece? Okay. <clears throat> if I could cut in there first yeah. before I hand you over to yeah. Mike Ringwood, is that we were very fortunate that Mike was on set during the whole shoot. So he was a, he was he was in on the project ever before he went away and, and designed the sound, you know. So uh, so that was another big plus. So uh, over to you, Mike. Yeah, um, thanks, Sean. And and look, at, it's a really 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 good question. Um, I'm a computer programmer by by day trade. Okay, so um, you know if you give me a spec, I can go ahead and implement it. Yeah. And I think it's a great testament to Sean that, you know, very early on, he he sort of made the parameters very clear about what he wanted, you know. 
um, in terms of a sense of foreboding, of chase, of you know this this power greater than yourself that 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 you have a compulsion for, an obsession for, but you know is damaging, it's chasing you, you know. Um, it's almost like kind of you know to a degree the 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 fingernails on the blackboard type feel you know um so you know it was uh, it was kind of a an easy start from that perspective and um sean said look at you know we did kind of like a, a working title soundtrack and then samuel came along with the final sort of soundtrack and literally i mean i'm not kidding you that was just a drag and drop you know uh, and again, like a testament probably to, to Sean's direction here, you know. Um, there is one area that we decided to flick a beat on, right? And um, uh, it's the scene where Frankie Kay, the, the uh, main character, is walking down kind of like a churchyard, you know. And, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously in a bad state. He runs a corner and he sees the sign Corinthians, you know, uh, but we see through a glass darkly. And at that beat, you know, I just decided, let's just try something that's not doom laden. Let's just try something that, you know, okay, it's not it's not optimistic per se, but it's different. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it switches back to, you know, kind of him and the drug deal and all that happens, you know. But then again, we carry that motif sort of into the closing credits, you know. Um, I suppose just to sum up from my own lived experience, you know, I've witnessed the, the you know, um, the tragedy and the ultimate kind of, you know, uh, fatality of, 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 of people with problems like this. But I've also witnessed the miracle of recovery, you know. And it's almost like the phoenix from the ashes, you know. And um, you know that that to me is the core theme of Indelible. That once the person in trouble realizes they have trouble, and they reach the hand out. The hand is there to to hold and grasp, you know. So so that's why you know for me it was a very easy sell because you know I sort of got what 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 Sean was after, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, just to cut back to that there, it, it, that element that Mike brought into it was very, and I only realized it afterwards on, on later viewing, that it, it was actually very much like the Hemingway novel, For Whom the Bell Tolls, because it was a kind of a ringtone mic, wasn't it? It was kind mm. of a bell, a mm. bell, like, you know, it's kind of a warning bell or, you know, just, you know, it could be also kind of have religious overtones or spiritual mm. overtones and, you know, um, so it, it, it worked really well. Like I say, it, it's picture and sound. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, picture and sound. Oh, that, that, wow, that's very, very informing. Like, my thing is that I guess I'm just so used to, like, my action movies where, like, everything's told to my face and then, oh, this is how I'm supposed to feel. This is how everyone is because I told them and now they feel this. And then, like, what you guys did is almost like almost the complete opposite and it's it sounds like a journey more than, than a cinema experience so it's very very interesting to experience i would love to poke and prod more but i do have other interviews to attend to unfortunately which sucks but i guess 
you guys were very comprehensive and very detailed in, in your responses. So all I have to request from you is sort of where can we find your past projects, stuff you're working on, and then your and then where where you be uploading further projects of yours? If it's a website or social media, where can we find those works at? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's Drive On Productions, D R I V E O N. On on Facebook is our primary uh, contact point, you know, and uh, oh, it's because of the success in the Swift SW in the Swift Festival now that we are pushing on into the feature film space. So uh, that's our next project, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's it's excitement. And it, this festival has been huge for us, really. You know, it's 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 really given us a great impetus to move on and uh, develop into the, the feature film space, which is where we all all filmmakers want to go, you know. So, yeah. So thank you very much. It's been it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, listen, you know, I wish I, I sincerely do say I, I would have appreciated just sitting here listening more about the production side of this but i do have to go but all i can say is thank you so much for being on the film sessions podcast it was great having you three gentlemen and i all i can say is uh have a blessed successful future thank you thank you thank you, thank you for the opportunity thank you uh -huh.